But if we want to lead, we need to serve others through the use of motivation instead to avoid manipulation so that we can follow, we can help other people follow that internal compass. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle, light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Hello, Firestarters. It's awesome to be back at the microphone doing podcasts and thinking about illuminating our learning. I never really intended to have such a long break, but I guess sometimes life just goes like that. I've been doing a number of things. Um, I've been making coaching classes for an online school. It's been really kind of fun, and I've been tutoring other parents to empowering them, basically, to do education with their children and have some family learning time. I've also been tutoring in English for adult students around the world with Rosetta Stone, which has been really fun. Uh, It's allowed me to kind of live vicariously through my students and to visit the world around me. And then just being a wife and mother sometimes is super busy. And also, as I've been away, I've been dealing with my own insecurities too, trying to figure out my thoughts and reassess what I want out of my life moving forward. During this process, I've also been working on rebranding the Luminous Mind, like you probably heard in my intro, and thinking about the areas that I really want to cover in the future. Um, I love talking about learning and homeschooling and that kind of thing, but I'm feeling more drawn to move into the self-help space and kind of turning Luminous Mind into a show about you becoming your best self through unconventional thinking. So if I could build my own cult, it would be a group of free thinkers, not scared of learning something that doesn't jive with our current paradigm. People who can handle thinking about other things, people who are interested, follow me to connect with and learn from people who are basically disrupting the status quo of how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. I find a lot of interest in, you know, I can take what I learned from other people, regardless of what religion or what uh, walk they do in life, and I can kind of take little things from them and uh, work to improve my own life. And I hope to bring that to the luminous mind where we can talk about things and and look at things in a different way. Um, To kind of start my rebranding off, I thought I would have us focus on the communities, you know, the communities that we are using to facilitate our learning and our development. Um, I kind of got this idea out of my own religion, which is, I think I'm going to talk a lot more about that on this podcast. And hopefully you don't care. I haven't said a lot about it before because, well, it, you know, it was never a religious show for one. And then for another, you know, I didn't want to exclude anyone who wasn't of my faith. Cause like I said, I like to hear from a lot of different people and I know I'm sometimes not in the most popular faith, but I, it's just part of who I am. You know, in the intro, I talk about how being a young mother changed my paradigm, but it was really my experiences with my religion that did that. And 
And um, I may go into that story a little bit more because it's just transformed the way that I thought about everything. And then it caused me to take bigger leaps as a young mother. Um, So really, I'm not even being honest there. But um, so I want to include that a little But Being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you're not familiar with that name, you might be familiar with Mormons, which is a nickname that uh, we were given a long time ago as part of almost a shaming experience. So being part of that a part of that community, I have seen some things that maybe I don't agree with sometimes. This is definitely not going to be a bashing session, but um, it's just the kind of culture that we sometimes can develop there. But the interesting thing as I think about it, it's the same kind of culture that we can end up developing in any situation, whether it be, you know, it could be religious in any church. It doesn't have to necessarily be our church. I've seen it in many places. It can be in schools, in educational facilities. It can be at athletic, uh, you know, if you're some kind of athletic group or some kind of group like that. Um, It can even be in Uh, like a gym or a sports place, or it can even simply be in our home. And I've noticed that in any of these places, in any of these communities that we are living and working, they can either be really healthy, or we can actually end up creating some really destructive situations. And sometimes those communities wax and wane with those particular ideas of positive cultures or negative cultures, depending on basically who's there and what voices are being heard. And, you know, there's so many different voices competing um, in, in these places. The thing that is so destructive is that these voices can compete with our own thoughts and our own development. And some of those voices can even be really manipulative than a lot of others, and they can end up contradicting that message that God may have for us. If you've listened to my show more than today, uh, I talk a lot about that, that we all have a special mission that we're here to do, a way that we can serve humanity and things that we love and desire and, you know, uh, we find joy in. I feel like God's calling on our heart of what we should do. Anyway, so what I wanted to do is kind of talk about some of those manipulations and how we can end up building healthier communities. You know, as I talk about learning and personal growth, I realize that it's multifaceted. It's an exercise between our body, our mind, and our spirit. And so with all of that, I mean, sometimes if our our mind isn't healthy, it also affects our body. And same thing if our body isn't healthy, it affects our mind and our spirit. And that's what these communities can kind of do for us is that we, you know, move to these places so that we can be with sometimes like-minded people and end up having, you know, really great cultivating relationships. But when it turns manipulative, it becomes very confusing because it can conflict with our internal compass of what feels really authentic to ourselves. It can make us second guess ourselves and it can cause internal turmoil that affects all the other areas of our life. Once this manipulation takes root, we lose all sense of ourselves, and we begin to take on an aura in these manipulative places that's kind of outside of who we really are. 
So I guess that is fine if your authentic self is the same as those manipulative places. But if not, it's a struggle between their will and our life's mission. And it's something that you always will fight with until you finally resolve it. Um, So I wanted to kind of give some ideas of how to recognize when there's some manipulation going on that's maybe not very healthy. And these are evidences, like I said, that I've seen in my my own faith. I've seen them in schools. I've seen them in many different places. But anyway, the evidences are first that people who openly quote scripture or talk about how they've prayed over your situation. (laughs) That's the key there, your situation. It's great if they're praying and they, you know, have that sense of who they are. But if they begin to take on what you need to be doing in your life in their prayers, that's a sign of manipulation. Another thing that a lot of people that are manipulative like to do is they use that correct lingo of that community and that helps to give them some credibility. And so it can cause some confusion within us. Also, people who interject their spiritual feelings on you and your life, like, I feel like God wants you to do whatever would be a phrase that they would say. It makes you feel like you should follow their advice versus your own instincts or your own spirit. And it can cause you to question your own guidance that maybe you're not spiritual enough because you're like, I haven't received that same thing. You know, what's going on here? And especially if you trust that person, it can become very conflicting. Also, people who criticize your way of doing stuff, they tend to be the type of people that think that their way is the only way, that it's the correct way. And they make comments to basically demean any other method. They're also people who behave mostly on fear. They have this fear of punishment. That's one thing where church is scary, you know, that there's always this, if I don't do the right thing, I'm going to be punished. They have a, a fear of not being accepted by other people. And so they tend to be very sh- Sheepish. <laughs> they have a fear of things not working out. They also have a fear of diverse groups or thinking. One of the things uh, I remember someone saying to me one time, oh, you should never read whatever book because it could lead you astray. And I really don't believe that's possible because we can see we are not stupid and we can see the truth within things, especially if we have sometimes uh, being more educated helps us have a better understanding of what the truth really is. There's also people who really distort that view of respect. They forget that respect is earned and it's not given. And that's really hard. You know, if you cross them in any way, all of a sudden you're not being respectful of who they are, but they never consider it going back the second way or going back towards you. There are also people who demand an allegiance. It's either their way or the highway. And if you deviate from their views, they make you feel like you're wrong or guilty or that somehow you're messed up or that you've lost your way. They demand a very strict allegiance. Um, So to combat any type of manipulation, and I think it's really important to teach our kids that too, you know, um, they can get caught up in this kind of thinking too, and it can be extremely damaging to their soul. I think That's the thing that I find the most sad is there's so many people that I encounter that have been in some kind of religious group and they are very unhealthy and they've end up, they end up not trusting a lot of people because they feel like they've been, well, that manipulation is just something sometimes that you can't get rid of as far as trusting people. 
I found this really great article online, and it was about manipulation and how to spot it. It has very religious tones, but I think it, it could apply to any situation where manipulation can be used as a form of leadership. That's probably the reason for the manipulation, an effort to want to lead people. But I challenge us, though, to think if we want to manipulate or if we want to motivate. Once again, just to stress and illustrate how hard it can be, I just want to read the first part. Um, It talks about, you know, you can walk into any church service, pretty much anywhere in America, and ask people to raise their hand if they've been hurt by a church or specifically the leadership of the church. And nearly pretty much anyone could raise their hand. Now, I'd say that that's, uh, that's friction or that's conflict in churches, in those churches are signs that the church is totally blowing their mission. Jesus taught us how to resolve conflict in church communities, and surely he wouldn't want us to do that unless we were going to need it. No church is going to be perfect. I get that. In fact, I love Naza Boza Weber, the founding pastor of the House of All Sinners and Saints in Denver, Colorado. She put it like this. She said, people who want to join a church just know we're going to let you down. So in my opinion, that phrase should be on every marquee in every church in America and in every community and every you know place where we kind of congregate. Stuff like this happens. But on the flip side, the reality is that the church is made up of imperfect people who are going to mess up or mess the mark sometimes. And Jesus also said this, but Jesus called the 12 disciples together and said, I know that the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you, you must become your slave. I doubt it's slave, but definitely a servant. So like I said, people can work to use manipulation to lead us, And some people think that manipulation actually helps people to do the right thing. You know, that they're they're helping them to make the, the better choice. But if we want to lead, we need to serve others through the use of motivation instead. To avoid manipulation so that we can follow, we can help other people follow that internal compass. So we can do the following things. I think one of the first best things that we can do is ask ourselves lots of questions. You know, ask ourselves what we are thinking inside. Ask ourselves how, uh, you know, this is making me feel. Like I said, sometimes that manipulation, they want to push their views and feelings on you and you may not feel the same way. Recognize that your life and your journey, the activities that you do, they don't have to look similar to have any spiritual merit. I really struggle in this area because I'm not a person who goes around openly talking about scripture or how much I've prayed or how how I've done this or that. I mean, I have to be a very good friend to you to sit and tell you some of those intimate details. And so sometimes I feel like that my feelings don't matter as much as somebody who talks so much religious jargon. And the same thing can happen in, you know, an educational system, for instance. Sometimes the ordinary parent, you know, they may have an impression, they may feel a certain way. And because they don't have the clout of the teacher, a lot of times they ignore that. But I'm telling you not to ignore that because you have merit on those feelings. And I think that you should definitely follow that. 
You also want to talk with diverse groups. You want to look at people who don't agree with you. You want to listen to them. I'm sorry, but that helps you so much to see how you feel on different things. I have done this throughout my life. I know I've probably scared the GBs out of my parents before because I've done this, but all it has ever done is either strengthen my resolve or it causes me to throw off things that are kind of dumb anyway. You know, I'm not hanging on to stupid traditions or some type of culture just to fit in with the group. You know, I look at what is really healthy and real and I go with that versus, you know, whatever the tradition or culture might be. And also we have to recognize that learning comes from humility, that we have the ability to learn from other people and that we shouldn't be fearful. I think that's the biggest thing that I want you to take away, the difference between the two of motivation versus manipulation. One of my favorite memes, and I've kept it with me for a couple of years, but I don't know if you've seen it. I may put it with the show notes on this. And once again, it is a religious thing, and it was made by at godsfruits.com. But there's so much in it on this meme that I think is critical to recognizing leadership. Also, how to be a good leader, how to end up not being a manipulator, how to end up being a person who motivates other people to do what Heavenly Father or what God wants them to do, or even just following that internal compass, that we can be like uh, Jesus said on that quote that I just read, that we can be different and we can lead people in positive ways. So it has the side of God on one side, and this style of leadership will do these things. They will still you. They will reassure you. And still you, it means like they will cause you to feel, you know, peace and still and present with the moment. They will reassure you. They will lead you. They will enlighten you. You'll feel good being around them. They'll forgive you. They'll calm you. They encourage you and they comfort you. And then the other side, um, when I think about that style of leadership and where manipulation comes from are these sorts of characteristics. And this comes from the other side of the adversary. And he rushes you. He makes you feel like you have to make a decision right then and there. He also frightens you. That's what I'm talking about with the fear that you feel scared that if you don't do these certain things that something's going to happen. He also pushes you. He just pushes and throws himself on you where you can't even have a a moment of peace to think to yourself. He also confuses you. That's what I'm talking about, like where you end up feeling like, okay, I feel like this, but they're telling me that. That type of person and manipulator can make you feel very confused. They'll condemn you. They'll make you feel like somehow you're broken, that you're messed up, that it's your fault, um, that somehow you're not getting the same inspiration as them. They'll do that shame to make you feel like you're less than. They stress you. They make you feel like, you know, you don't have enough time in the day. They discourage you and they cause you to worry. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was writing this is my time with depression. And one of the things that I learned is that when we live in the past, we feel depressed. And when we live in the future, it gives us anxiety. It's very important for us to 
learn to live in the present, to have joy with the stuff that we have. And people who are motivators, they help you see the present. They don't get you all worried about what the future looks like necessarily. Not that we don't have a plan. I definitely have a plan for my life. But if you're constantly thinking about the future, you're never going to measure up and you're going to always feel like you're you're somehow less than. So I hope this was encouraging for you that we can strive to lead by motivation in all of our communities, whether that's religious or educational or most importantly, within our families. This style of leadership will build greater love, trust, respect, and connectiveness and a better understanding of our unique selves, helping fulfill our mission or helping others fulfill theirs. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on this topic of being a motivator versus a manipulator. If you have anything you want to add or ways that you've seen this work in your life, like I'm saying, it definitely works in, you see it in religious places, but you see it everywhere else. I think it's definitely a topic that you could equate to many different areas, but I'd love to hear your comments and your feedback. Thank you for listening and for helping us to disrupt the status quo on leadership. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.